The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Our text for this meditation this morning are the words that were read for you, especially from our epistle reading, gospel reading, but also our Old Testament. Let's say a word of prayer. Good and gracious God, thank you for choosing us. You are an awesome God, and you knew that we are sinners who were in need, but you loved us enough to choose to save us. And not only us, but those who you sent to proclaim, to tell the good news of what you have done as well. So give us those words, give us that compassion, give us the courage and the love to do that very thing, and may your spirit work faith in those people. So bless our time today, Lord. May your spirit truly be among us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As I said this last couple of weeks, last week, with the last few days, we gathered together in uh, Concordia University's Gengelhoff Center to really be able to take a look at these words that Peter wrote, as well as the Old Testament, to really mind the words of what does it mean that you and I are chosen by God, chosen by God to proclaim. And so as we take a look at these words from the Apostle Peter especially, I want you to think about Peter and what you know about that guy. This guy who was so close to Jesus, this guy who was blessed in so many ways, but in so many different times, he was just right there and then he fell into the water, right? He was just right there with Jesus in the courtyard, observing but denying Jesus three different times. But after Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, Jesus appeared to Peter and the rest of them, and he challenged Peter and asked him the questions, do you love me? And Jesus said, feed my sheep, and he did. And so Peter is very much understanding what it means to be a Christian facing persecution, and that's what he was writing to the people who were living in scattered places throughout the Roman Empire, and he wanted them to know that God was with them, that God had chosen them. And so today I want you to think of three different points I'm going to cover today. And the first point is simply this, Jesus was chosen by God before the world was even created to go and come in the world to die on the cross for you and for me and all people. Second of all, I want you to think of it from this perspective. You, not just you individually, but you corporately as a body of believers, and think of our southern friends who say, y'all. You all, it's in the plural. We are all chosen, chosen by God. And number three, with a purpose. And that purpose is not just to live here and just do whatever we want with our lives, but we are chosen to proclaim, in other words, to tell with feeling, to show with feeling that God loves us and he loves other people too. He's an amazing God who is with us today. So let's take a look at that first part. Jesus was chosen as a cornerstone, Peter tells us in the first part, verse 4. Listen to what he writes. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Jesus is being described here 
as a living stone. We oftentimes think about stones as just being those stones, you know, rock solid, right? Have no feelings, don't have any life. But Jesus is here described as a cornerstone. Every building needs a cornerstone. And if you don't put that cornerstone in just right, the walls are going to be all messed up. The building's going to be all messed up. But Jesus is that cornerstone. But he is the cornerstone who was also, we are told, rejected by men. Already in Psalm 118, verses 22 and 23, King David writes this. The stone which the builders rejected has become the capstone, the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And I want you to think about what the next verse is. My favorite verse, verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Why should we be happy? Because God had indeed promised to send Jesus for us. Prophet Isaiah also wrote in 28, verse 16, the Lord declared that he will lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. So we've got this foundation. We've got this cornerstone. Well, what's built on that cornerstone? Those who are chosen like you and like me. All of us are chosen. Peter's going to pick up on that in verse 9, but in, in verse 5, listen to what he says. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I want you to think about this foundation. I want you to think about bricks, cement blocks that are around this building. I want you to think about each and every one of you being like one of these cement blocks. Each one of us has a purpose. A building cannot be built without bricks or blocks for this type of a building. One being built on one another. And Jesus says we are like that whether it's a brick, a stone, whatever the case may be. But God has a purpose for each and every one of us. He's the one who has brought us together to do the work he has called us to do. We are not meant to do the work alone. We are meant to do it as brothers and sisters in Christ. One stone does not make a wall, but many stones the story is told of a Spartan king who boasted to a visiting monarch about the walls of Sparta. The visiting monarch looked around and he said, I see no walls. What in the world are you talking about? He said, where are these walls about which you boast? And his, post, his host pointed at the bodyguard of troops and he said, these are the walls of Sparta. Every man is a brick. Point number two. You, y'all, were chosen by God 
Listen again to verse 9. Verse 9 simply says this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You and I were chosen, chosen by God. We are precious, precious to our God. And our God says that he has chosen us. We do not choose him. Never do people choose God. God chooses his people. Already back in the Garden of Eden, God said to Adam and Eve, you are precious and special, and I'm going to send a Messiah. Later on in Genesis chapter 12, he called Abram out of his idolatrous worship, and he said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And in our gospel reading for today, Jesus told his disciples, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that before the world was even created, God chose us. Listen to Ephesians 1 verse 4. Before the creation of the world, God declared that you would be holy and blameless in his sight. And one of my favorite Bible sections is Colossians chapter 3. In verse 12, Paul urges us as God's chosen people he says, we are holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We're chosen. We, sinful human beings, though we are, God has chosen us. God forgives us. Just as this morning you and I took time to say to God, God, I messed up again. And we heard God tell us through the words that Pastor Dan shared with us, I forgive you. God forgives us. Even when we mess up, he forgives. God is a loving and caring God who has a purpose for every one of us. You know, the amazing thing is that in the Old Testament, God washed the priests because they were sinful. And he wanted them to be cleansed before they came to serve him. Peter tells us we are part of the priesthood. We are part of the people that God has called to serve him. And in a similar way, God washes us in the waters of baptism and says, you are mine. I've called you to service. And he does that very thing. They were made ready to offer up sacrifices to God on behalf of the people and their sins. And every priest, every king, never was called upon to act on their own behalf. They were always called to act on behalf 
of someone greater than them. You and I have been called upon by our God to act, to serve by our gracious God. He's chosen you. Yes, you and me, sinful though we are. We are called upon to share this good news with the people who are not here yet. We're called a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Together we are God's special possession. What makes us special is not who we are, but whose we are. Take a look at how the description that Peter gives of us is changed so much from what Hosea is called upon by God to name his children, which describes the relationship that was so shattered and torn between God and his people. But you and I are now called God's chosen, holy people, a kingdom of priests set apart as God's servants on behalf of our merciful God. God's choice of you and for me gives us a true identity in life. We are chosen. We are special in his sight. And he loves us unconditionally. And what are we chosen to do? Point number three, we are chosen by God with the purpose to proclaim. In other words, tell with feeling what God has done for us and all people. To proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you and me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Think of the light. Candles. One little candle being lit in a totally dark room, pierces the darkness. You and I can pierce the darkness of despair and hopelessness in the lives of so many people, one by one, as we share with them that love of Jesus Christ, that they too might believe and be saved. Peter clearly leans on the Old Testament truths to emphasize the positions that you and I have been given and the privilege we have been called upon by God to proclaim. Martin Luther wrote, the first and foremost duty we Christians should perform is to proclaim the wonderful deeds of God. It's amazing what we've been called upon to do and given gifts by God. Some of you might remember Dr. Oswald Hoffman. He was the speaker of the Lutheran Hour for years. And even in his older age, he still would come forward and speak with boldness, holding out his Bible and sharing with people what God has done for them. And he wrote the following that I'd like to share with you in closing. I've noticed that the most effective witness for Christ is offered by people who have a heart 
for other people. Something like the compassion of Christ himself. Most of my witnessing has been in the ordinary course of everyday life. I didn't have to go out of my way to reach anybody. I just did what I have to do every day. And Christ always puts people in my path to whom I could witness. The key for our world is every Christian everywhere sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. We are chosen to proclaim this good news. Amen.